it seems like actually the death of our whole way of being. And when people run into that, that's where the rubber meets the road and that's where people really need help. And so the idea of people blaming themselves or thinking all I need is more willpower or that like I'm the only one with these problems, it's like that just goes away when you have somebody else who can help you see your blind spots and when you're working with other people who are have very different life experience, very different perhaps shadow issues, but everybody is trying to move in the direction of better and just kind of like birds flying south for the winter. It's like it's easier in a group. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, I am talking to a wonderful friend and fellow podcast maven, Brody Welch. I invited Brody to come on to the Essentially You podcast to talk honestly about self-care and how to shift our belief so that we prioritize it to create the life that we deserve. Brody is my go-to self-care strategist and she has helped many high-achieving women like yourself get their bodies back on track with self-care. Now, you know how much I love self-care, and this conversation is going to be so amazing. Every time I have conversations about self-care with women, especially women who this is their life's work, I learn so much, even though I feel like it's also my life's work. I think one of the biggest reasons why I dove into self-care all these years was because I thought as long as I continue to educate about it, I would be on top of doing it myself. Do you ever find that you do that, that you you educate on something just so that it you keep it top of mind? Well, that's very much the case for self-care because as you know, I struggled with self-care for many, many years. I believed that self-care was selfish, it was self-indulgent, and real women or strong women or productive women didn't need that in their life. That is how disempowering my belief around self-care was. And it's just quite the opposite. In order for us to really be these strong, empowered, amazing, productive women, we have got to fill our cup up. And that's exactly what Brody has learned herself and what she is all about educating. So before we jump into how we're going to be changing the way that we live our life through self-care, I wanted to first let you know that I started releasing two podcast episodes each week on Tuesdays and Fridays. And the response, oh, it has been amazing. So I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and sharing these episodes with someone in your life that could use a little wellness inspiration. As you know, I created this podcast series to give women more insight about their bodies and provide an explanation for why they aren't feeling like themselves, but are just not sure about what's going on. As I shared in the last episode, I had recently surveyed 9,000 plus women and asked them to prioritize their biggest health concerns. And the biggest issues that came up over and over again was number one, not being able to lose stubborn weight along with unrelenting cravings. Number two, feeling exhausted practically every day. And then number three was feeling just experiencing a lot of brain fog and a lack of productivity because they felt like they weren't sleeping enough at night. And I have a feeling that you have may have experienced some of these symptoms yourself and can't seem to figure out what is going on. And that is exactly why I'm here today. 
You know, for years I struggled, and you guys know that, and my healing journey wasn't easy, but it was worth it. And I learned so much that opened the door to more research. And the culmination of all of my research over the years, and as you guys know, I was a biochemist well before I became a practitioner, so research is literally in my blood. Like I I won all kinds of research scholarships in college and then went on to work at a prestigious laboratory. So for me, I've been doing so much research over the years and the culmination of a lot of this research for women's health is really all in my upcoming book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. You know, this has been nearly two years in the making. It's so funny because this is book number seven and my other books were never two years in the making. They weren't ever this big of a deal in a lot of ways. And you know, when I signed up for the book, I kind of came in with this idea of like, oh, I've written, I've written six other books. This is going to be a piece of cake. Ooh-wee, was that not true? You know, I poured my heart and soul into this book and about 2,000 hours, hundreds of hours of research. This book tackles the why behind hormone imbalance and solution that you need at your fingertips. Now, as a small token of my appreciation for grabbing your personal copy, I have created the most amazing bonus goodies as a big thank you for pre-ordering the copy of my upcoming book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. That's right. You're going to begin to balance your hormones instantly with these bonuses that I've created for you that already thousands of women have gotten their hands on, which is so exciting. So how does this work? How do you get these bonuses? Because that is the question that comes up over and over and over again. One, you just got to go pre-order the book at your favorite online retailer. It could be Target, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. We have a, a, a list of retailers you can go get the book from. Then you're gonna go to my book bonus page, which is just drmarisa.com, D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A.com slash hormone book. It's also linked to my profile on Instagram, which is at drmarisa. It's on the website. I mean, it's everywhere. So you go to the website to drmarisa.com hormone book, Enter in your details, super easy, nothing super crazy there, and your bonuses will instantly arrive like that in your inbox. And if you've already purchased the book, all you gotta do is go to the link and put your info in and instantly grab those bonus goodies. Now, just a couple of the bonus goodies because you're like, okay, what am I getting here? Well, it's my self-care ritual video series, such a perfect combination for what we're talking about today. My hormone masterclass series, five of my favorite, like the best expert interviews from the EO Hormone Summit, instant access to module one of the Essential Oils 101 course, my supplement guide, my banishing cravings guide. I mean, so much more is in this amazing bundle of goodies. And then as you guys know, you're gonna gain so much from this book. Literally, this book offers a step-by-step program to reset the body through focus and deliberate changes supported with daily self-care rituals and aided every step of the way by essential oils, powerful nutrition, and so much more. I mean, this book is bringing the business. I know you're going to love it as much as I loved writing it. So now that you know a little bit about the book and how to get those extra amazing bonuses, I want to bring on Brody to talk a lot more about what gets in the way of our self-care. But before I do, I want to quickly sing Brody's praises. Now, Brody Welch is a licensed acupuncturist, a board-certified herbalist, 
Chinese medicine expert, holistic health coach, and self-care strategist. She is the founder of Life in Balance Acupuncture in Carvallis, Oregon, where she has been treating patients since 2003. Brody helps caring, high-achieving women like yourself put their own to-do list, put themselves on their own to-do list so that they can trade stress and burnout for energy, joy, and a vibrant life. She has helped thousands of clients improve their digestion, sleep, mood, dial in regular mind-body practice. She leads self-care boot camp programs to help women bridge the gap between what they should know and to be taking care of themselves and what they're actually doing. So I am so excited. And also, she is the host of The Healthy Curiosity, a podcast that explores what it takes to be well in a busy world. And I've been so blessed to be on that podcast with her. Such a fun time. So I know you're going to love this interview as much as I do. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Brody Welch. I am so thrilled to have you on today. I'm really excited to be here, Marisa. I had a blast when you were on my show a while back. And yeah, I'm really excited to talk self-care with you. Oh my goodness. And I can't tell you how much I love your podcast show. Um, In case you guys want to know what it's called, it's called The Healthy Curiosity. And Brody, you have amazing presenters come on. And I'm just so grateful that you're out there spreading the word. And you know, we need more of us out there. Don't you agree? I think that whatever it takes to change the culture, yeah, I think we need people taking action in their own lives, whether that's big or small, whether you're called to preach from the rooftops or to just live by example, we do need to be doing it. I agree. And we're going to get into a topic that, let me tell you, when we were discussing this, I got so excited. And I'll be honest with you, I am a little excitable just just by nature. But you know, self-care is such a big piece for me. It's such a big piece for you as well. And what we're really going to dig into is what gets in the way of self-care. Because I know you and I both recognize when we connect with our patients, we connect with our readers, that as wonderful and as lovely as self-care can feel, it sometimes it doesn't feel like it's even possible. Right? We give our, I wouldn't call them excuses necessarily, but like other pressing priorities get in the way. Absolutely. That is, I think, one of the biggest things that I see in my practice is that women really, especially are the people that I work with, women especially who are driven to succeed in their career, who want to show up for their partners, their kids, their aging parents, their employees, their coworkers, whoever, with a presence that is sparkly and compassionate and really feeling like everybody else's needs have to come first before we're allowed to rest or nourish ourselves or meditate. And it's like the idea that like, oh yeah, put your own mask on first before assisting other passengers. People are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I know that I can keep depleting myself until I have nothing left to give, until I'm in crisis mode, until I get some sort of disease, until I am am at a point where I have zero energy and I can't get out of bed in the morning. And then I'll take self-care seriously. Right. Once we're in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's so disheartening to me to have people in that mindset of like that self-care is this optional thing or worse, that self-care is something that you do like one and done, you know, like, oh yeah, I'll go to the spa for a day and then I'm all good. And it's like, not that I'm against spa days because that's awesome. But it's the things that we do every day that add up to 
how we end up feeling in the long term. Just like every day that we do something, it's like we're steering kind of on this continuum where health is at one end of the continuum and disease is at the other end of the continuum. And we get to choose how we steer, whether we're steering in the direction of health or whether we're steering in the direction of imbalance and therefore disease. That's what Chinese medicine has to offer rather than this binary perspective on health. It's really this health is a state of balance. And really, we need the yin and the yang to be present in our lives in order to have balance. Now, was there ever a time, because I know, you know, when you were describing the woman who is like, you know, I'm just going to just deplete myself all the way to the end. You know, I've, I've been there and, and probably more times than I would like. You know, it's so interesting, right? When we think we learn our lesson, other things come into play. And so had there ever been a time for you where that had been the case as well, that you really felt the effects of prioritizing everyone else, prioritizing everything else except for yourself? Yeah, like last week. Yeah, no, I mean, like I'm, I'm way better at it than I was like 20 years ago, but absolutely. My background before I even got into the healing arts, I wanted to change the world all at once. And I realized I was involved in so many different sort of activist activities. And I was just depleting myself and just really running on fumes and trying to do it all. And in addition to really, I felt like if, if my daily actions were not 100% in alignment with my values, then I was a hypocrite. And that therefore I wasn't a good person because I was just breathing other people's air, you know, if I wasn't actively trying to make the world a better place, which is kind of a heavy thing to, to be in like as a, as a teenager, you know, like that's where I was when I was like 15. So realizing that actually the path of trying to change the world all at once through this totally unsustainable life that I was living was not what I wanted to do. Got into the healing arts uh, first uh, through massage therapy. And then while I was in massage school, falling in love with Chinese medical theory and going on to become an acupuncturist, an herbalist, um, a self-care strategist, which is what I'm doing now, that really the idea of if it's out there in nature, it's in here in our bodies. And this is like one of the fundamentals that Chinese medicine is is based on, this sort of yin-yang balance that after night comes day, after day comes night, that we go through the seasons of winter, spring, and summer, and fall, and they all look a little different. That like how we show up in the world is like sometimes we're in this like super active part of our lives where it's a lot about the doing and the external, but there has to be this equal and opposite inward, slower rest and rejuvenation. And really like getting that we live in a culture that so prioritizes and values that what what I'll call the masculine archetype or the the yang, which is the the speed, the productivity, the doing it faster, that like how busy are you is like how how worthy are you on the planet? The idea that what it looks like as opposed to what it feels like, the idea of having these these sort of external driven material success as opposed to the more quiet, contemplative inner moments of happiness, right? Of contentment that that it doesn't really matter how we feel or whether we're honoring our soul or whether we're honoring our body or we're, whether we're doing something as sexy as like taking a nap, you know, like that so, so many people get caught up in the, you know, right? Like what a slacker you are if you like dare sit down in the middle of the day before everything's done and before every last email is answered. Oh my God, you know, it's like there's, what are you like? There is so much emphasis on the yang, and especially 
I, I would say, for women who, in addition to have a, like having all of the the yang pressures, that are also still socialized to be the caretakers for everybody else, and and who, by the way, have to still work harder than any other guy to make the same amount of money. And so, so it's the kind and of thing where like good doing it, absolutely, and it's better so look good doing it. <laughs> yeah, and, and really, and if you don't look good doing it, then you must actually be a fraud or a failure. So there's all this stuff that our culture puts on women, especially that the idea of taking care of ourselves, it's like, well, how could we possibly fit that in? Like, where does that go in our day? Like, do I ditch the workout that I have to do so that I can squeeze into my size two jeans? Or do I ditch the, you know, the taking care of everyone else because then I might look selfish? Or do I ditch the, if I believe that productivity is a function of of staying at work for longer hours and pushing myself to through uh, blocks and and just working harder nose to the grindstone style and I don't actually see the, the the deeper truth which is that if I step away from that if I rest and rejuvenate I'll actually have more attention and more focus and be even more productive but it's like in that mindset of like yang addiction of being solely focused on that outcome on that external goal or then that external expectation that we might have for ourselves that self-care seems like a distant luxury. It does. It absolutely does. And you know, I know that this became kind of your big works calling and it's more and more I'm beginning to see the pieces, you know, of of how we can continue to help women on this journey. And what I what I really find fascinating, you know, before we kind of get into the meat of this is that very similar to myself, you know, you were in practice one-on-one taking care of of your your patients and then decided to move into becoming this amazing self-care strategist. You know, what was what was the impetus? What was the switch? I know I definitely had a massive impetus for my switch, but I'm always so curious as to what made you go from that one-on-one experience to serving at this capacity. I think I have probably three different pieces of an answer for you. So being in practice for, well, this is 15 years now as a Chinese medicine expert and um, an acupuncturist, that I would have the same conversations over and over again. Feel kind of like no matter whether people were coming in for hormone balance issues or weight loss or body pain or autoimmune disease or like all the things that Chinese medicine can help with, that the answers were were always the same, right? The answers were like, okay, well, do you have a body-mind practice? Do you get regular exercise? Are you stretching? Are you breathing? Do you have a, a handle on how to, how to allow emotions to flow through you so that they don't get stuck in your body? Do you, are you able to get enough rejuvenate sleep? Are you connected to your community? Do you feel like you are honoring your heart? You know, like all of these things, the same conversations I would have with people, no matter what their problem was. And I was like, wow, do I really have to teach everybody how to breathe? Do I really, you know, like, do I really have to start at like the basics of sorting out the food confusion that's out there with absolutely everyone? And it just felt like this, there's got to be a more efficient way. So, you know, I started racking up all these certifications, right? Like teaching yoga, teaching qigong, teaching meditation, um, integrative nutrition, yoga health coaching, all the all these sort of other things that like aroma acupoint therapy, all, all these things that I could bring into my practice. I was racking up certifications faster than my patients could put them into practice. And I was still doing it in this one-on-one setting. Um, so, so first of all, it just seemed like, okay, there's there's got to be a more efficient way here. But secondly, and probably more importantly, is that 
that people would leave my office, smart, capable women motivated to make a change and who trusted me, that they would leave the office like ready to, to finally make that time to, to meditate every day or finally do their qigong or finally make themselves the nourishing food that they know that they can digest or whatever it is that I, that I would write down on my self-care prescription pad. And they would be all fired up to do it. And after a few days, they would just kind of fall away from that goal because life gets in the way. And then they would blame themselves and they would think like, I can't seem to do this. And it would just reinforce their stuckness. And that would break my heart because it's hard because for the aforementioned reasons, right? That the culture is stacked against us, that in our society, you really have to be a countercultural person in order to opt out of the standard American diet, for example, or in order to slow down and do less. It's like, that's a radical act for women. That is something that like, it is really hard to be because we're not just ourselves. We're in, we're an ecosystem. We're in relationship with everyone around us. Everyone that we spend time with, everyone that we talk to, the podcasts we listen to, the media that we watch and, and read, all of it informs our consciousness. And so much of our society is focused on this yang addiction, on the productivity and on the self sacrificing, you know, that that the, the speed. And so it's the kind of thing where like if you get caught up in the in the tide of the culture that like that one conversation that you might have with your supportive healthcare provider once a month or however often you're you're going in isn't going to be enough. And also that there is a strategy to changing habits. And so like the deeper I dived into how to actually bridge the gap between what we know we should be doing and actually doing it, the more I had to study habit change science and behavior change and what it takes to make something stick. And it's like, yet again, like if you're trying to go it alone and you don't know how to hack a habit loop, if you don't know about rewards, if you don't know about the cues that are that are triggering your habit, it's like, good luck. And a lot of times, again, people would blame themselves because they have intentions, but they don't necessarily have a plan. And that's where it's really helpful to be working with somebody and even working with somebody one-on-one isn't necessarily as effective as working in a group where you realize that you're not alone in your struggle, where you feel like you have support from other people who get what it's like to have this bind between wanting to fulfill your obligations to your family, to your job, and to yourself, and to feel these competing pressures. And what eventually ends up happening that I see all the time is that ultimately people encounter a deeper resistance that comes from a place that's really scary. So it's not just about like hacking your schedule so that you can have a half an hour to work out or meditate or like make dinner or whatever it is. It's something that goes to the core of the way that we navigate the world, the way that we feel safest. So whether that's been being all your life, you were rewarded for being the overachiever or you were rewarded for taking care of everybody else, or you were rewarded for being that like positive, bright, shiny force in everyone's life. It's like that, that limits your capacity, right? If you always have to be that, it can be scary to, to take down that social mask and to be who you really are, which is somebody with with more than just that one facet of their being. It's like, yeah, a lot of times our, our greatest strength is our undermining weakness and recognizing that we actually have more tools in the toolbox than than our typical go-to 
it's like that requires identity evolution. And it is scary to stop doing the thing that has gotten you all these praise and accolades and people liking you and promotions and whatever else that you've been able to to ride that wave of success for, or sometimes it's just adrenaline, right? You know, like that we've we've been able to to be a certain way for so long. And the idea of actually doing it differently seems impossible. It seems like actually the death of our whole way of being. And when people run into that, that's where the rubber meets the road and that's where people really need help. And so the idea of people blaming themselves or thinking all I need is more willpower or that like I'm the only one with these problems, it's like that just goes away when you have somebody else who can help you see your blind spots and when you're working with other people who are have very different life experience, very different perhaps shadow issues, but everybody is trying to move in the direction of better and just kind of like birds flying south for the winter. It's like it's easier in a group. That totally makes so much sense. I mean, that level of community, accountability, connectedness, so it doesn't feel like you're doing it alone. It's such a game change when it comes to making some really big, big changes for yourself, where a lot of those underlying beliefs and disempowering mindset moments come into play, right? Because I always feel like one of the reasons why we get so much in trouble with how our bodies are functioning or kind of just, you know, again, being so depleted is a lot of deep set beliefs about how we feel. And you had mentioned it earlier and very much, you know, I I talk about this a lot that growing up, I connected my self-worth as a woman based on how much I could do for others and how much I could, how busy I could be, right? That there was some trophy at the end of the tunnel of just working so hard and burning out. And when we get to the core root of that belief is where we can really make change. But sometimes I feel like, you know, that requires guidance and that requires community and a little bit of accountability as we're shifting some really big stuff. It's a little bit more than just us having some habits that we put into play. You know, if if we don't have a belief around that, it's really hard to sustain it. If you really get honest or like if I, I'll just, I'll just own this for myself. It's like, if I get honest about what causes me to override what I need to do for myself, it is some sort of belief in that I'm not enough unless, for example, I will tend towards working more than I should. The difference between the days when I get up and meditate and I start my day in alignment with with my values, those days go a lot better than the, than when I just jump onto email and, and onto see what the world needs from me. It's really easy to get derailed and it's really easy to get caught up in it. So being able to remind ourselves of our highest truth, which is that like, that we're worthy without doing or accomplishing anything, right? Just, just the beingness, like that's the yin, right? That's the feminine. That's the, the, you know, that Maya Angelou quote that people won't necessarily remember what you did or what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. There's something about your presence that's just as valuable as anything that you quote unquote do for anyone else. And that is something that is lost in this culture that is obsessed with how much we're quote unquote getting done. Plus the fact that a lot of the things that we are so quote unquote busy doing do they really even matter or like are they really all that important because we can be in motion without any sort of intentionality and it's just like that there's no value there and so like just pausing and recognizing like okay if i've got my life force my chi but like how do i want to spend this chi what do i where do i want to channel it because it's the water of life you know it's the breath of life and we have a finite amount of it 
unless we are rejuvenating ourselves on a regular basis to the point where we can kind of create a surplus. But there's no way that like, I mean, most people are operating from a place of of energy deficit. They're out of integrity with their natural energy. And you can tell you're out of an energy integrity if you're using things like caffeine to move faster or alcohol to move slower at the end of the day. Or if you are just moving so fast that you have no idea how you actually feel, if there's a backlog of stuff that you need to process, if you're like craving, you know, if your mind goes to fantasizing about vacations or about like some future where you don't actually have to deal with your present moment, it's like it's very likely that you are exhausting yourself. And for a lot of people, it's a scary thing to think about subtraction to think about what would it look like to take something off of my plate to free up time for what matters most and it's like a lot of times women are conditioned to not even think about what they want you know or what what their dreams actually are i absolutely 100% believe that and agree with that statement and i know that you've had this experience in in your boot camps probably encounter this all the time the the guilt the shame, all of the emotions that come with that idea of any any level of prioritizing our own self-care, our own, our own health and wellness. There's a lot of resistance there. There's so is so much so that that is a more recent opt-in on my website that the self-care manifesto or the right to take care of yourself manifesto is something that I literally had to write because people would be like, Brody, remind me again why self-care isn't selfish. <laughs> And right. I would find myself repeating the same stuff over and over again. So I'm like, yeah, put like print it out. It's pretty. Put it on your fridge. Put it in front of your computer, because it's so it's so pervasive. This idea that taking care of ourselves is somehow this selfish thing, and really a really easy sort of aikido move to to dispel that mentally is to think about who benefits when you show up as the person you want to be. You know, like, does everyone else in your life benefit when you've taken the time that you need to get enough sleep or to do your body mind practice or to like do your joy? Like, absolutely. Like, it just radiates out of you. It elevates your vibration and it inspires. And if you're a parent and you've got young people looking up to you, if you've got a daughter who you don't want to have to exhaust herself in order to feel worthy in the world, like, it starts with us, right? It starts with us showing the way that we are worth taking care of because nobody else is going to make you a priority if you don't. Absolutely. Well, it was such a, you know, we're talking, you were talking about that Maya Angelou quote. And another one that I love is if I'm not good to myself, how can I expect anyone else to be good to me? And it's really interesting when we treat ourselves with a level of disrespect, not to say that that necessarily people are going to do the same, but how we do ourselves is really going to show people how we want to be treated as well. That's so important to be able to leave that legacy for our family. But even just just sheerly being able to show up for our family with a level of energy and happiness and presence that you want, that's important. I think we all want that for everyone that we serve. You know, we serve from a place where you're just totally exhausted and you're cranky and you're grouchy and you're having mood issues around that. You're not showing up the best way you can. And I think that sometimes we forget that. We, I think we think that as long as we're just doing the needful activity, the thing that has to get done, then that's, that's enough. Yes. <laughs> yes to that. <laughs> I want to pivot really quickly because you talked about self-care specifically being a feminist issue. And I'd love to get into that for just a mini moment. I know we've probably been touching upon it already, but I'd love for you to go a little bit deeper in that. What I was mentioning earlier in the conversation about if a woman is driven to succeed in her career, that she's going to have to work harder than a man 
in order to get paid the same amount in order to get that promotion or whatever, which means that she might be more tempted than a man to stay late, right? To have less time for herself. Like she literally is spending more of her life force to get to the same place. That's like one way that our society props up this inequality in our culture trickles down to the level of the individual where it's like where the woman then wonders why like she's struggling with self-care when really it's like because <laughs> because she's in a rigged system and where women are also socialized to be the ones to do more of the housework, to do more of the kid work, to care more for aging parents. Statistically, this this falls to women much more than men. And how many times like do we see men come home from work and kick back on the couch and turn on the TV and like crack open a beer and like the women come home and do the second shift. You know, it's like they're doing the cooking, they're doing the cleaning, they're making sure that, you know, the kids are doing the homework or or whatever's going on, that there is this, it's not every household, but there's like, even if that's not the way it works in your household, there is very likely some sort of internalized sense of like, I'm doing something wrong if I'm resting before all the work is done. And it's like, that's, that is a cultural thing, you know? And also like just pleasure, the idea that pleasure for women is something that is is rarely talked about. And just the idea of being able to, I see all this marketing towards women as the things that are going to give us pleasure are the things that we consume or the things that we buy as opposed to the lives that we create for ourselves. And so I just think that as women, reclaiming your right to take care of yourself is a radical act. It goes in the face of what the culture wants from you and what the culture expects from you. And that if we are actually serious about changing the culture, we need to start treating ourselves as though we were somebody responsible for taking care of, right? As though we were in our own charge, as though we were a daughter or a sister or or somebody else who mattered, you know? And so like the idea of there is a power in, in claiming Like, what if you truly believed that you were worthy of happiness, pleasure, and self-care? Like, would you, would you be getting three hours of sleep at night? Like, probably not. Like, (laughs) just what kind, if you truly valued yourself and your worth for who you are, right, for the feminine, for the yin, as opposed to just the externals, just the what's showing up on the outside, your beingness and your inherent worth, how would you treat yourself? How would you treat yourself? I think those types of questions are so important. You know, and I think it's one of those things. I don't know, Brody Honey, do you ever have these amazing women journal a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I am um, one of my favorite exercises is the is the future self idea. Um, and I actually have a meditation recorded about advice from your future self. But that um just that if we think about like the gap between who we are now, the lives we're living now, the income we're earning now, the amount of rest we have now, the amount of joy we have now, the amount of time we have alone now, the amount of time we have for our creative life, our spiritual life, our friends, the people we love versus what we want, right? Like look, thinking into if we could fast forward 10 years into the future or 20 years into the future to our wiser self, to the person that we've become, to the person who has everything that we want right now. It's like, what would she say to us? What what would she say is like an outdated belief that we really can let go of in order to make decisions from this new consciousness that's creating a new way of being? So the the idea of of thinking about like, wow, like what do I want to be creating? What do I want to be experiencing in this next phase of my life? And recognizing that the small actions that we make today 
are going to take us there. And so it's like the most powerful force. One of the most powerful forces we have at our disposal is that of compound habits, right? The idea that that when we do something once, it's like putting a piece of paper under our feet. And if we do that same thing every day, by the end of the year, we're standing on a phone book, you know, like it's like makes a measurable difference, but it starts with the small actions. And so it, being able to chart our course to the life that we want that being, it, it's like, it's it's the small steps that we do every day. But before we implement those small steps, we have to know where we want to go. We have to be like set our compass for the big dreams and think about like, this is your time. This is your life. Like every day that we live, our precious life force is, is being spent on something. And so being able to have it align with who we really are and the lives that we really want to lead requires giving that some thought and re- requires feeling into who that person is and then bridging the gap to get there. And I'm so grateful that we are talking about this this component piece, you know, that gets us to that next place. I do want to talk about before we go though, I know that you have incorporated, you know, we, we both have a love affair of essential oils and I use them a lot in my self-care rituals. And I know that you also have brought them to the table for your daily routine. So could you tell us a little bit about how you have integrated these wonderful tools into some of the practices that you educate or that you even personally do? Because I always love to hear what people personally do with their oils. Well, I'm really interested in essential oils as movers of energy, right? So like, yes, they're smells and yes, they are messengers that tell our bodies various things. But part of what they do, and this is something that we can all really intuit just by smelling an essential oil, is like, what does that do to my energy? Like, does it lift me up? Does it ground me into my center? Does it circulate energy in my body? Like those are, those are just kind of a, like one's yin, one's yang, one's circulating, right? So, so things like the mints or the citruses that can be very uplifting. It's like, they're going to help us move energy up and the things that are like the conifers or the, um, so, so like cedar or vetiver, spikenard, they're very rooty and they're very earthy and they ground us. They bring the energy down. So for example, at the end of the day, Taking an Epsom salt bath with a little vetiver, you know, or a little cedar in it can be a wonderful way of relaxing and falling asleep because it roots and grounds. Versus, like, if I want to concentrate, that I've got, you know, something like rosemary or peppermint or cajaput or something like that in front of me at my desk that I can take a little whiff of if I feel like I need that uplifting, stimulating mental focus. So basically, like, I think about how does this oil move energy in my body and what energy am I needing? So for example, if I'm stressed and what I'm really craving is like going for a hike, but I don't have time, that's where I might use an oil that circulates the energy in the body. And those are going to be typically the things that are kind of lemony or something like lavender that just moves the chi and in, in like it's, it's moving, but it's also relaxing in a different way than something that's just like a euphoric can be relaxing. So I'll think about kind of the energy that it has in the body. But I'm also really interested in the psycho-emotional dimension of the essential oils. And so one of my favorite blends that I actually give to my course members is this self-compassion blend that I love. Neroli is one of my favorite oils to help to help cultivate that inherent sense of self-worth. And as 
a gift to everyone listening right now if they want to head to my website, which is brodywelch.com, Brody with an IE and Welch with a CH forward slash smell compassion, all one word. You can get the recipe for my self compassion blend and a, a number of acupoints that you can put it on. And these acupoints are like basically a, an acupuncture point or an acupressure point or a point on the body that is really a portal of consciousness. It's a place that you can put an essential oil and there's like the magic of the point, kind of like a little mini chakra that it has its own energetics and its own, or to mix metaphors here, like keys on a keyboard that tell the body like what to do with this energy. You can actually place oil on points that will sort of magnify or like let there be a synergistic effect between the effect that the oil has and the effect that the points have. And so there's a couple points that I really love for the self-compassion blend to just help me ground myself in a sense of worthiness or my inherent my inherent yin worth. And so some of those points would be like CV17 or REN17, which is a point at the, ch- at the center of the chest or pericardium six, which is the heart protector. And pericardium six is, is like two thumbs up from the wrist crease. And so those might be two places that I put the self-compassion blend in order to have a synergistic effect between the energetics of Chinese medicine and acupuncture, but also of the herbs that make up the essential oils. So I, I, I love playing with stuff like that. Or if somebody wants confidence, it's like, that's I'm going to recommend a different oil than if somebody wants to feel relaxed and sedated or like that's sort of like to bring people into their different heart centers or, or their, their center of confidence or just like whatever energetics they are needing, there's going to be an oil for that. And it's just super fun. So I think about, I think about those associations all the time. Oh, I love it. Well, I, oh, and I'm so grateful. I knew that you had this little gift for us and I can't wait mm-hmm. to check it out myself. You guys, the gift that Brody mentioned, not only did she share that link, but we'll definitely have it in the show notes so you can go and grab it and download it because we all definitely need a little bit more self-compassion in our life. Okay. So one more question before we wrap it up. And that is, I would love to know what is your, I mean, being the self-care strategist that you are, what is the one self-care ritual or daily habit that really moves the needle for you? Well, that's a great question because I would like to answer with a list of at least six or seven things. I love it. (laughs) But because I do believe that there are these core competencies of self-care and that if those things are not in place, then it's likely that we're, we're headed for a breakdown. So I'll answer this for myself, that one of my keystone habits, one of those habits that supports all the other habits is getting enough sleep. Because if I get enough sleep, if I can put myself to bed and get enough sleep, then I'm much more likely to not opt out of meditation and censoring in the morning. I'm not likely to opt out of whatever journaling or tapping or like whatever I'm working on personally. I'm much more likely to have the energy to work out, which is sort of like what I would be tempted to say is like, for me, I need to move every day or I'm, or I'm done. But if I'm exhausted, I'm much less likely to want to move my energy and to have my full bodily intelligence on board. And so I think really, if I'm honest, like the quality of my today starts with my yesterday and my last night. And so that really comes down to making sure that I honor my need for sleep. I love it. That's such a great one and absolutely imperative. It blows my mind how often we think that we can get away with functioning and not get enough sleep. I just don't understand. That is a non-negotiable for me. I'll tell you that. 
Well, and, and what's required for that? You have to go back even further, right? Because if you're working until 9.30 at night at a computer, like depleting your melatonin, then like it's unlikely that you can actually fall asleep a half an hour later. Like we're not machines. And so the one thing that I would encourage people to pay attention to is that pulsation between yin and yang. And like, what does it take? How are we revving up? And how are we winding down? And, th- and thinking about like, how can we support that morning ritual and that evening ritual that allows us to be in full-on yin of great sleep and full-on yang of great activity. I love it. And then I just wanted to let everyone know, one, to definitely check out the Healthy Curiosity podcast. It's actually a healthy curiosity. Thank you, my dear. So sorry about that. A Healthy Curiosity podcast. And I will link to that in the show notes. And then where is the other best place that we can find you? BrodyWelch.com. Perfect. I love it. Well, thank you so much, my dear, for coming on and gosh, sharing your incredible wisdom. There are so many great nuggets and insights that we can walk away from. And I can't wait for people to check out the blend and to just check you out, especially if they're ready to take that on, that that self-care that we all so desperately need. Well, thanks so much for this awesome conversation, Reza. it's, It's been just a joy to talk with you. Absolutely, honey. Well, have a wonderful day. Talk soon. I am so grateful for women like Brody in the world who are paving the way to incredible insight for how we can take better care of our bodies because goodness knows we need it. You know, she has used her own healing journey to change the lives of millions around the world. And I honor her and her mission so much for what she's doing to bringing more clarity and confidence to heal our bodies after years of feeling neglected, right? Each of us, there have been years where our bodies have been neglected. We have not given the self-care that we deserve. And I just love that there are women out there changing the way that we look at things, especially when it comes to our own self-care. Goodness knows, self-care is rooted in belief and the belief that we deserve that time, that we deserve to take care of ourselves so that we can go off and do the magnificent work that we are put on this earth to do, that you are going to go do that incredible work that you know you are put on this earth to do. So if you are ready to step into the self-care direction, I really do want to recommend grabbing her amazing self-care meditation bundle. The link will be in my show notes and on the website. You just have to head on over to drmarisa.com slash podcast pull up Brody Welch's podcast episode, which I believe, just having a moment, um, this is going to be episode 59. So just drmarisa.com podcast episode 59. That'll take you there to get you all set up. And I also don't want you to forget to, if you are going to grab my book, definitely go get those goodies. It's at drmarisa.com hormone book. I know you're going to love that book. It's got tons of self-care rituals as well in there. That was the one thing when I was building this book and I was creating all these protocols. It was the piece that I had to have in there was all of these self-care rituals because I believe that essential oils punctuate self-care rituals in the way that we get to nourish our bodies every single day. So, so excited for you to check that out as well. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and listening in on the Essentially You podcast. Just by simply listening to these episodes, you are changing not only the way that you feel about your health, but how other people feel about it as well. And this podcast, it grows by word of mouth. So if indeed you're loving an episode, it would mean the world to me for you to share it on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you love to share or even leave a review. 
Now on this next episode, I am bringing on an amazing, just such a close friend of mine. She and I have been working on our books together separately, but just kind of being there for each other. I am going to be having Dr. Jolene Brighton come on as she is going to be bringing some real talk about birth control as she's launching her new best-selling book, Beyond the Pill. So join us for the next episode as Dr. Jolene Brighton shares her truth and brilliance. And until then, have an incredible day. 